0: The Postmaster by Alexander Pushkin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Who has not cursed postmasters? Who has not quarrelled with them? Who, in a moment of anger, has not demanded from them the fatal book in order to record in it unavailing complaints of their extortions rudeness and unpunctuality who does not look upon them as monsters of the human race equal to the defunct attorneys or at least the brigands of let us however be just let us place ourselves in their position and perhaps we shall begin to judge them with more indulgence what is a postmaster a veritable martyr of the fourteenth class only protected by his rank from blows and that not always i appeal to the conscience of my readers what is the function of this dictator as prince virzemski jokingly calls him is he not an actual galley-slave he has no rest either day or night all the vexation accumulated during the course of a wearisome journey the traveller vents upon the postmaster should the weather prove intolerable the road abominable the driver obstinate the horses ungovernable the postmaster is to blame entering into his poor abode the traveller looks upon him as an enemy and the postmaster is fortunate if he succeeds in soon getting rid of his uninvited guest but if there should happen to be no horses heavens what volleys of abuse what threats are showered upon his head in rain and sleet he is compelled to go out into the courtyard during times of storm and nipping frost he is glad to seek shelter in the vestibule if only to enjoy a minute's repose from the shouting and jostling of incensed travellers a general arrives the trembling postmaster gives him the two last troikas including that intended for the courier the general drives off without uttering a word of thanks five minutes afterwards a bell and a courier throws down upon the table before him his order for fresh post horses let us bear all this well in mind and instead of anger our hearts will be filled with sincere compassion a few words more during a period of twenty years i have traversed russia in every direction i know nearly all the post roads and i have made the acquaintance of several generations of drivers there are very few postmasters that i do not know personally and few with whom i have not had business relations in the course of time i hope to publish some curious observations that i have noted down during my travels for the present i will only say that the body of postmasters is presented to the public in a very false light these much calumniated officials are generally very peaceful persons obliging by nature disposed to be sociable modest in their pretensions and not too much addicted to the love of money from their conversation which travelling gentlemen very unreasonably despise much may be learnt that is both interesting and instructive For my own part, I confess that I prefer their talk to that of some official of the sixth class travelling on government business. It may easily be supposed that I have friends among the honourable body of postmasters. Indeed, the memory of one of them is dear to me. Circumstances once brought us together, and it is of him that I now intend to tell my amiable readers. In the month of May of the year 1816, I happened to be travelling through the Government of N upon a road now destroyed i then held an inferior rank and i travelled by post stages paying the fare for two horses as a consequence the postmasters treated me with very little ceremony and i often had to take by force what in my opinion belonged to me by right being young and passionate i was indignant at the baseness and cowardice of the postmaster when the latter harnessed to the calish of some official noble the horses prepared for me it was a long time too before i could get accustomed to being served out of my turn by a discriminating servant at the governor's dinner to-day the one and the other seemed to me to be in the natural order of things indeed what would become of us if instead of the generally observed rule let rank honour rank another were to be brought into use as for example let mind honour mind what disputes would arise and with whom would the servants begin in serving the dishes but to return to my story the day was hot about three vests from a a drizzling rain came on and in a few minutes it began to pour down in torrents and i was drenched to the skin on arriving at the station my first care was to change my clothes as quickly as possible my second to ask for some tea hi dunya cried the postmaster prepare the tea-urn and go and get some cream at these words a young girl of about fourteen years of age appeared from behind the partition and ran out into the vestibule her beauty struck me is that your daughter i inquired of the postmaster that is my daughter he replied with a look of gratified pride and she is so sharp and sensible just like her late mother then he began to register my travelling passport and i occupied myself with examining the pictures that adorned his humble abode they illustrated the story of the prodigal son in the first a venerable old man in a nightcap and dressing-gown is taking leave of the restless youth who is eagerly accepting his blessing and a bag of money in the next picture the dissipated life of the young man is depicted in vivid colours he is represented sitting at a table surrounded by false friends and shameless women further on the ruined youth in rags and a three-cornered hat is tending swine and sharing with them their food on his face is expressed deep grief and repentance the last picture represented his return to his father the good old man in the same nightcap and dressing-gown runs forward to meet him the prodigal son falls on his knees in the distance the cook is killing the fatted calf and the elder brother is asking the servants the cause of all the rejoicing under each picture i read some suitable german verses all this i have preserved in my memory to the present day as well as the little pots of balsams the bed with speckled curtains and the other objects with which i was then surrounded i can see at the present moment the host himself a man of about fifty years of age fresh and strong in his long green surtout with three medals on faded ribbons i had scarcely settled my account with my old driver when Dunya returned with the tea-urn the little coquette saw at the second glance the impression she had produced upon me she lowered her large blue eyes i began to talk to her she answered me without the least timidity like a girl who has seen the world I offered her father a glass of punch to dunya herself I gave a cup of tea and then the three of us began to converse together as if we were old acquaintances the horses had long been ready but I felt reluctant to take leave of the postmaster and his daughter at last I bade them good-bye the father wished me a pleasant journey the daughter accompanied me to the Telega. in the vestibule I stopped and asked her permission to kiss her dunya consented I can reckon up A great many kisses since that time but not one which has left behind such a long such a pleasant recollection several years passed and circumstances led me to the same road and to the same places but thought i perhaps the old postmaster has been changed and dunya may already be married the thought that one or the other of them might be dead also flashed through my mind and i approached the station of a with a sad presentiment The horses drew up before the little post-house. On entering the room I immediately recognized the pictures illustrating the story of the prodigal son. The table and the bed stood in the same places as before, but the flowers were no longer on the window-sills, and everything around indicated decay and neglect. The postmaster was asleep under his sheepskin pelisse. My arrival awoke him, and he rose up. It was certainly Simeon Virin, but how aged! While he was preparing to register my travelling passport, I gazed at his grey hairs, the deep wrinkles upon his face that had not been shaved for a long time, his bent back, and I was astonished to see how three or four years had been able to transform a strong and active individual into a feeble old man. "'Do you recognise me?' I asked him. "'We are old acquaintances.' "'Maybe,' replied he mournfully." this is a high road and many travellers have stopped here is your dunya well i continued the old man frowned god knows he replied probably she is married said i the old man pretended not to have heard my question and went on reading my passport in a low tone i ceased questioning him and ordered some tea curiosity began to torment me and i hoped that the punch would loosen the tongue of my old acquaintance i was not mistaken the old man did not refuse the proffered glass i observed that the rum dispelled his mournfulness at the second glass he began to talk he remembered me or appeared as if he remembered me and i heard from him a story which at the time deeply interested and affected me so you knew my dunya he began but who did not know her ah dunya dunya what a girl she was everybody who passed this way praised her nobody had a word to say against her the ladies used to give her presents now a handkerchief and now a pair of earrings the gentlemen used to stop intentionally as if to dine or to take supper but in reality only to take a longer look at her however angry a gentleman might be in her presence he grew calm and spoke graciously to me Would you believe it sir couriers and court messengers used to talk to her for half hours at a stretch it was she who kept the house she put everything in order got everything ready and looked after everything and i like an old fool could not look at her enough could not idolize her enough did i not love my dunya did i not indulge my child was not her life a happy one but no there is no escaping misfortune There's no evading what has been decreed then he began to tell me his sorrow in detail three years before one winter evening when the postmaster was ruling a new book and his daughter behind the partition was sewing a dress a troika drove up and a traveller in a circassian cap and military cloak and enveloped in a shawl entered the room and demanded horses the horses were all out on being told this the traveller raised his voice and whip dunya accustomed to such scenes ran out from behind the partition and graciously inquired of the traveller whether he would not like something to eat and drink the appearance of dunya produced the usual effect the traveller's anger subsided he consented to wait for horses and ordered supper having taken off his wet shaggy cap and divested himself of his shawl and cloak the traveller was seen to be a tall young hussar with a black moustache he made himself comfortable with the postmaster and began to converse in a pleasant manner with him and his daughter supper was served meanwhile the horses returned and the postmaster ordered them without being fed to be harnessed immediately to the traveller but on returning to the room he found the young man lying almost unconscious on the bench he had come over a faint his head ached it was impossible for him to continue his journey what was to be done The postmaster gave up his own bed to him, and it was decided that if the sick man did not get better, they would send next day to see for the doctor. The next day the hussar was worse. His servant rode to the town for the doctor. Dunya bound round his head a handkerchief steeped in vinegar, and sat with her needlework beside him. In the presence of the postmaster the sick man sighed and scarcely uttered a word, but he drank two cups of coffee and, with a sigh, ordered dinner. Dunya did not quit his side. He constantly asked for something to drink, and Dunya gave him a jug of lemonade prepared by herself. The sick man moistened his lips, and each time on returning the jug he feebly pressed Dunya's hand in token of gratitude. About dinner-time the doctor arrived. He felt the sick man's pulse, spoke to him in German, and declared in Russian that he only needed rest, and that in about a couple of days he would be able to set out on his journey. The hussar gave him twenty-five roubles for his visit, and invited him to dinner. The doctor accepted the invitation. They both ate with a good appetite, drank a bottle of wine, and separated very well satisfied with each other. Another day passed, and the hussar felt quite himself again. He was extraordinarily lively, joked unceasingly, now with Dunya, now with the postmaster, whistled tunes, chatted with the travellers, copied their passports into the post-book, and so won upon the worthy postmaster that when the third day arrived it was with regret that he parted with his amiable guest the day was sunday dunya was preparing to go to mass the hussars Kabitka stood ready he took leave of the postmaster after having generously recompensed him for his board and lodging bade farewell to dunya and offered to drive her as far as the church which was situated at the end of the village dunya hesitated what are you afraid of asked her father his excellency is not a wolf he won't eat you drive with him as far as the church dunya seated herself in the kibitka by the side of the hussar. the servant sprang upon the box the driver whistled and the horses started off at a gallop the poor postmaster could not understand how he could have allowed his dunya to drive off with the hussar, how he could have been so blind and what had become of his senses at that moment a half-hour had not elapsed before his heart began to grieve and anxiety and uneasiness took possession of him to such a degree that he could contain himself no longer and started off for mass himself on reaching the church he saw that the people were already beginning to disperse but dunya was neither in the churchyard nor in the porch he hastened to the church the priest was leaving the altar the clerk was extinguishing the candles Two old women were still praying in a corner, but Dunya was not in the church. The poor father was scarcely able to summon up sufficient resolution to ask the clerk if she had been to mass. The clerk replied that she had not. The postmaster returned home neither alive nor dead. One hope alone remained to him. Dunya, in the thoughtlessness of youth, might have taken it into her head to go on as far as the next station, where her godmother lived in agonizing agitation he awaited the return of the troika in which he had let her set out the driver did not return at last in the evening he arrived alone and intoxicated with the terrible news that dunya had gone on with the hussar at the other station the old man could not bear his misfortune he immediately took to that very same bed where the evening before the young deceiver had lain taking all the circumstances into account the postmaster now came to the conclusion that the illness had been a mere pretense the poor man fell ill with a violent fever he was removed to sea, and in his place another person was appointed for the time being the same doctor who had attended the hussar attended him also he assured the postmaster that the young man had been perfectly well and that at the time of his visit he had suspected him of some evil intention but that he had kept silent through fear of his whip. Whether the German spoke the truth, or only wished to boast of his perspicacity, his communication afforded no consolation to the poor invalid. Scarcely had the latter recovered from his illness, when he asked the postmaster of C. for two months' leave of absence, and without saying a word to anybody of his intention, he set out on foot in search of his daughter from the travelling passport he found out that captain minsky was journeying from smolensk to st petersburg the yimshik who drove him said that dunya had wept the whole of the way although she seemed to go of her own free will perhaps thought the postmaster i shall bring back home my erring ewe lamb. With this thought he reached St. Petersburg, stopped at the barracks of the Ismailovsky Regiment in the quarters of a retired non-commissioned officer, an old comrade of his, and then began his search. He soon discovered that Captain Minsky was in St. Petersburg, and was living at the Demotov Hotel. The postmaster resolved to call upon him. Early in the morning he went to Minsky's antechamber and requested that His Excellency might be informed that an old soldier wished to see him. The military servant who was cleaning a boot on a boot tree informed him that his master was still asleep, and that he never received anybody before eleven o'clock. The postmaster retired and returned at the appointed time. Minsky himself came out to him in his dressing-gown and red skull-cap. "'Well, my friend, what do you want?' he asked. The old man's heart began to boil." tears started to his eyes and he was only able to say in a trembling voice your excellency do me the divine favour minsky glanced quickly at him grew confused took him by the hand led him into his cabinet and locked the door your excellency continued the old man what has fallen from the load is lost give me back at least my poor dunya you have made her your plaything do not ruin her entirely what is done cannot be undone said the young man in the utmost confusion i am guilty before you and am ready to ask your pardon but do not think that i could forsake dunya she shall be happy i give you my word of honour why do you want her she loves me she has become disused to her former existence neither you nor she will forget what has happened then pushing something up the old man's sleeve he opened the door and the postmaster without remembering how found himself in the street again for a long moment he stood immovable at last he observed in the cuff of his sleeve a roll of papers he drew them out and unrolled several fifty rouble notes tears again filled his eyes tears of indignation he crushed the notes into a ball flung them upon the ground stamped upon them with the heel of his boot and then walked away after having gone a few steps he stopped reflected and returned but the notes were no longer there a well-dressed young man observing him ran towards the drosky, jumped in hurriedly and cried to the driver go on the postmaster did not pursue him he resolved to return home to his station but before doing so he wished to see his poor dunya once more for that purpose he returned to minsky's lodgings a couple of days afterwards but the military servant told him roughly that his master received nobody pushed him out of the antechamber and slammed the door in his face the postmaster stood waiting for a long time and he walked away the same day in the evening he was walking along the litanaya having been to a service at the church of the afflicted suddenly a stylish drosky flew past him and the postmaster recognised minsky the drosky stopped in front of a three-storied house close to the entrance and the hussar ran up the steps a happy thought flashed through the mind of the postmaster he returned and approaching the coachman whose horse is this my friend asked he "'Doesn't it belong to Minsky?' "'Exactly so,' said the coachman. "'What do you want?' "'Well, your master ordered me to carry a letter to his dunya, "'and I have forgotten where his dunya lives. "'She lives here on the second floor, "'but you are late with your letter, my friend. "'He is with her himself just now.' "'That doesn't matter,' replied the postmaster, "'with an inexplicable beating of the heart. "'Thanks for your information, "'but I shall know how to manage my business.' "'And with these words he ascended the staircase. "'The door was locked.' He rang. There was a painful delay of several seconds. The key rattled, and the door was opened. Does Avdotya Semyonovna live here? He asked. Yes, replied a young female servant. What do you want with her? The postmaster, without replying, walked into the room. You mustn't go in, you mustn't go in. The servant cried out after him. Avdotya Semyonovna has visitor, but the postmaster, without heeding her, walked straight on. The first two rooms were dark in the third there was a light he approached the open door and paused in the room which was beautifully furnished sat minsky in deep thought dunya attired in the most elegant fashion was sitting upon the arm of his chair like a lady rider upon her english saddle she was gazing tenderly at minsky and winding his black curls round her sparkling fingers poor postmaster never had his daughter seemed to him so beautiful he admired her against his will who is there she asked without raising her head he remained silent receiving no reply dunya raised her head and with a cry she fell upon the carpet the alarmed minsky hastened to pick her up but suddenly catching sight of the old postmaster in the doorway he left dunya and approached him trembling with rage what do you want he said to him clenching his teeth why do you steal after me everywhere like a thief or do you want to murder me be off and with a powerful hand he seized the old man by the collar and pushed him down the stairs the old man returned to his lodging his friend advised him to lodge a complaint but the postmaster reflected waved his hand and resolved to abstain from taking any further steps in the matter two days afterwards he left st petersburg and returned to his station to resume his duties this is the third year he concluded that i have been living without dunya I have not heard a word about her whether she is alive or not God only knows so many things happen she is not the first nor yet the last that a travelling scoundrel has seduced kept for a little while and then forsaken there are many such young fools in Saint Petersburg today in satin and velvet and tomorrow sweeping the streets along with the wretched hangers on of the dram shops Sometimes, when I think that Dunya also may come to such an end, then, in spite of myself, I sin and wish her in her grave. Such was the story of my friend, the old postmaster, a story more than once interrupted by tears, which he picturesquely wiped away with the skirt of his coat, like the zealous Terentich in Dmitriev's Dmitriev's beautiful ballad these tears were partly induced by the punch of which he had drunk five glasses during the course of his narrative but for all that they produced a deep impression upon my heart after taking leave of him it was a long time before i could forget the old postmaster and for a long time i thought of poor Dunya. passing through the little town of a short time ago i remembered my friend i heard that the station over which he ruled had been abolished To my question is the old postmaster still alive nobody could give me a satisfactory reply i resolved to pay a visit to the well-known place and having hired horses i set out for the village of en it was in the autumn grey clouds covered the sky a cold wind blew across the reaped fields carrying along with it the red and yellow leaves from the trees that it encountered i arrived in the village at sunset and stopped at the little post-house in the vestibule where dunya had once kissed me a stout woman came out to meet me and in answer to my questions replied that the old postmaster had been dead for about a year that his house was occupied by a brewer and that she was the brewer's wife i began to regret my useless journey and the seven roubles that i had spent in vain of what did he die i asked the brewer's wife of drink little father replied she where is he buried on the outskirts of the village near his late wife could somebody take me to his grave to be sure Hi, vanka you have played with that cat long enough take this gentleman to the cemetery and show him the postmaster's grave at these words a ragged lad with red hair and a cast in his eye ran up to me and immediately began to lead the way towards the burial ground did you know the dead man i asked him on the road did i not know him he taught me how to cut blowpipes. when he came out of the dram-shop god rest his soul we used to run after him and call out grandfather grandfather some nuts and he used to throw nuts to us he always used to play with us and do the travellers remember him there are very few travellers now the assessor passes this way sometimes but he doesn't trouble himself about dead people last summer a lady passed through here and she asked after the old postmaster, and went to his grave, what sort of a lady I asked with curiosity, a very beautiful lady replied the lad She was in a carriage with six horses, and had along with her three little children, a nurse and a little black dog And When they told her that the old postmaster was dead, she began to cry, and said to the children, "Sit still, I will go to the cemetery." I offered to show her the way, but the lady said, "I know the way, and she gave me a five kopeck piece such a kind lady we reached the cemetery a dreary place not enclosed in the lease it was sown with wooden crosses but there was not a single tree to throw a shade over it never in my life had i seen such a dismal cemetery this is the old postmaster's grave said the lad to me leaping upon a heap of sand in which was planted a black cross with a copper image and did the lady come here asked i yes replied Vanka. I watched her from a distance. She lay down here, and remained lying down for a long time. Then she went back to the village, sent for the Pope, gave him some money, and drove off, after giving me a five-kopeck piece. Such an excellent lady! And I, too, gave the lad a five-kopeck piece. And I no longer regretted the journey, nor the seven roubles that I had spent on it. End of the Postmaster by Alexander Pushkin